Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wong Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. We are super glad that you are listening to our little show, the Guitar Knobs podcast, wherever you are listening. Tony, what do we do on this podcast? We talk about boutique builders of such devices as pedals, guitars, amplifiers, and other electronic fun stuff. Yes, and not only do we talk about them when they're not looking, but we interview them. And <laughs> yes, guess, we, and we talk to them. Yes, and guess who we have on the line? Someone guess. <laughs> no one said that yet. Ding, ding, ding. ding I'm Dunnable, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's Dunnable, right? <laughs> it is, yeah, my name is Sasha Dunnable of Dunnable Guitars. Excellent. Thank you for having me on your show. I am glad that you're on. I've been uh, hoping that we could get you on for quite a long time. We mentioned you very early on in our podcast when we uh, when we were trying to figure out our way. And I said, hey, we should do an episode on boutique builders um, before we really knew what the, you know, what we were doing. It was just the first couple. Huh. And you, uh, everybody had to pick one that they liked and they wanted to talk about. And um, you are actually the one that I picked because I was like, wow, look at this. It's doing something different. I like it. Wow, thanks, man. That's awesome. You bet. Cool, thank you. Um, so it's going to be, this is going to be most excellent, I suppose. Um, guys, gentlemen, dudes, uh-huh. people out in the world, I would encourage you to check out Spotify for our podcast feed. We are now on Spotify uh, you've probably heard this a few times now, but I'm going to remind you know some of those maybe who haven't been listening intently or that are new to the podcast. We're constantly gaining new people. Welcome all new people and welcome all old friends who are listening. You can listen to the latest, I believe, 20, maybe 25 episodes on Spotify as well as on iTunes. Um, but if you want to go to the Wayback Machine and listen to all of them or find a guest that you are particularly interested in, you can go to our website, theguitarnods.com. Our entire library is there, as well as all of the four on the floor segments in which our guests share their four <coughs> most valuable pedals, um, not in the sense of money, but in their must have. Uh, their desert island. Their desert island pedals, I suppose you might say. Or so, deserted island. Or, yes. And, and Jared's going, desert. I like dessert. Desert. Yellow cake. <laughs> yes, I'm wearing a yellow cake shirt tonight. Um, my my good friend over at Yellow Cake Petals was kind enough to give it to me. And it, I put it on today and I looked scarily like him. And I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> so, gentlemen, let's talk about what's going on in our music world this week. Uh, Jared. Oh, yes. So, uh, my wife and I went to Cedar Point over the weekend. Mm, where is it? Okay, give some people some Here's context that don't live in <laughs> It's on the North Coast. Of course, you know, I started out that way on purpose to get you to yeah, I know. say that. Yeah, it, it worked. So, anyhow, um, I stayed in Toledo overnight Sunday night, and I, I got to my buddy's house, and because I was going to go check out Reverend Guitars, and, um... As soon as I got to my buddy's house, I looked at my phone and, and to figure out where Reverend Guitars was in Toledo. It was like a lesson. It was like a lesson a mile away from where my buddy lived. You could have walked it. It was crazy. So the next day, I went to Reverend Guitars, 
And I met up with Ken Haas and him, his wife, and Joe Naylor are pretty much running that company right now. Mm-hmm. Who's and, Joe uh, Naylor? Joe Naylor, in, he's the creator of, and of right, Reverend right. Guitars. He also created uh, Rail Hammer Pickups and uh-huh. Naylor Amps, Amps yeah. and uh, several other things. So uh, Ken and I hung out and uh, he showed me every facet of the place. Um, I, I couldn't believe what all the info he had in his head and he just every, every little place or I'm sorry, every little nook and cranny of the place he, he knew it was happening. He's running the whole thing. Now. He's running the whole thing. Gotcha. So, so were there just like guitars everywhere? Uh, very organized. Yes. Yeah. He, there, his warehouse is very clean, very organized. Um, Would you be willing to eat off the floor? You knew. If it was yellow cake, I might. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, uh, I told him I wanted a good, to purchase a guitar, and I showed him which one I'd like, and he had it um, already on the bench, and someone wor- was working on it as I was uh, being shown the facility. Oh, and that's great. Yeah, so he said, hey, you're going to love this coffee place across the street. It's awesome. And I looked across the street, and it was Speedway. So... That's funny. So we went. Yeah, that was that was a good little. So thing. So for those and who don't know what Speedway is, it's basically a, a gas station, a, a giant truck stop style gas station. So <laughs> nah. coffee was pretty good though. Yeah. So uh, we hung out a little longer, and I showed some things, and he showed me some things, and we had a good time, and off I went. It was a really good time with your brand new guitar. That's, That's my cool. yeah. It plays like a dream. Uh, what did you get? Tell us what you got. They, the, I got a six gun, and what they do is they're. Their uh, guitars are made overseas by a really good company. They get it back and they set it up. And their their setup guy is very particular about um, what he does. They're very, very, very well set up. He's very so well particular that he actually initials the back of every headstock, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's and crazy. And they're designed here. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like, right. you know. It's very quality, actually. That, it is very there's nothing quality. I want to change about it since I got it. So really, I'm yeah. very happy with it. Not even yeah. pickups. No, Designed I like the way they sound. Designed and uh, I might try some other United things States. and to show him, you know, some of my right, own right, idea. But right. for the most part, I really like the way it is. Yeah, well, I played excellent. it. It's a, it's a nice. We've got a roasted maple neck. It's real oh, nice. Real nice. Wow. Yep, baby blue. I'll have to check that maple one. Out. Real nice, Clark. Yep. <laughs> so that was me, man. Cool. Excellent. How was Cedar Point? Anyways, Tony. No, <laughs> wait. You wait. I don't Sasha, sit on the ride. Sasha, let's let's hear let's hear about you, buddy. Uh, new in my musical world, uh, aside from making guitars, which I know you don't doesn't count in this segment. Um, <laughs> I've been playing a good deal of music lately. Um, I have a new band called Future Uses, which uh, is about to release an album, um, and so we've been like kind of prepping for all that stuff. I'm so um, glad you didn't say and, drop an album. Yeah, no, I've never dropped an album. <laughs> you don't want to drop. I a, dropped one once and it broke yeah, in a million. Right, you don't want to do this, guys. Ugh. Exactly, we got to sell them. Can't damage them right. first, but yeah. So we're getting ready to, to uh, release that onto the world and getting ready for some shows and stuff. Um, and then my other band. Somehow I have time for two bands. Uh, my other band, uh, Intronaut. Um, Great name. Kind of like looking for uh thank you we're um writing another record right now and um just dealing with all that kind of fun stuff 
Um, it reminds me of Super Not, my favorite Black Sabbath song. Yeah, I mean, it's like that, but less super. Just like normal. <laughs> normal <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. Is that a full Windsor? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Um, I mean, I'm at work so much that it's hard to like enjoy anything else. Um, but so getting out on really stage is good stuff, man. Yeah. What, what kind of music do you guys play? Uh, Future Us is really fun. And I bet you guys would actually appreciate um, a lot of what I do, even if you don't actually like the music. The music's like really slow, um, heavy, uh, like metal kind of, but with a lot of effects and whatnot. Uh, I have this huge spaceship stereo rig. Oh, um, yeah. I'm into it. You know, two full stacks, uh, you know, huge pedal board loopers that go in stereo and stuff. Um, it's basically just my excuse to, like, have the ultimate dad rig and, like, punish <laughs> people with it, you know? Sure. Like, oh, nice. Um, and it's just one of those things that's, like, completely absurd. Like, we'll open up for, like, some touring band that I'm friends with or whatever. They'll look at me like, what is wrong with you? Like hauling all of this stuff, <laughs> just dwarfing everyone else's gear. But, uh, that's just where I'm at. It's, um, it's super fun and, uh, real self-indulgent. Nice. Yeah, that record comes out, uh, in September. So, cool. so sort of like a cross between, uh, really like, like monster magnet and, and, uh, parliament funkadelic. <laughs> Not quite as uh, without friendly. the funky. <laughs> it's like if you took those two bands and slowed it down to about forty-five BPM, okay. that's what you'd be looking. At. And and added like stereo fuzz. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, right? Then, then you'd have something close. I was yeah. just thinking about the spaceship. Really, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and a metal version of Bootsy Collins. Watch out, babies. <laughs> <laughs> anyways i don't often like what you do but that was good (laughs) thank you (laughs) Uh, i hope bootsy's a fan i don't care what anybody says you're Uh, all right tony oh you want me to talk i do want you to talk now well this is kind of cool um i I worked on a really cool. so far i believe you i worked on a really cool project this week Mm -hmm. so um i do a lot of work for guitar shops all around the country around the world really and um one of my guys uh, from Long Beach Guitar Repair, you may or may not be. In Long Beach, California yeah. or New York? California. Oh, um, that's where I was bored. I know. I knew okay, that. Okay, sorry, go I ahead. I knew that. You threw me completely off. <laughs> you want to talk more about you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways, I might. Anyhow, Tony. So, um, so Brian called me and or uh, emailed me and said, hey, I got a special project. Can you push this one through fast. Mm-hmm. I said, well, yeah, I, I guess I can. So it turns out um, Mike Watt, who is usually a oh, bass yeah. player, yep. you might know him from Minutemen and Firehose, and mm-hmm. I think he did a stint with the Stooges for a while. So it turns out it's a jazz master guard, uh, with, but not just any jazz. It's, it's the craziest thing, and it should be kind of cool because what, what he requested was uh, on a jazz master guard – no upper controls, which is cool with me. Um, but he has a, a jazz master in the neck mm-hmm. pickup. He's got a strat in the middle mm-hmm. and then a tele bridge in the bridge position. I like it. And it's just like, I have a picture of it. We can post it up if you want. But um, Sounds like a Frank Dimel 
kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like this totally, I, I hope it sounds good. It really should because we have a, a wide variety. And it has, he moved the uh, controls around a little bit and it's got an extra volume control on it. But uh, uh, I'm sure it'll be, uh, I, I'm, I guess Mike's going to play guitar for a while too. Dig I don't it. know. So that's, that's cool. always cool. Um, didn't mean to hijack or name drop, but uh, we just said uh, Frank Dimel, good friend of the podcast. Oh yeah, and uh, getting a lot of attention right now. And take some time and check out Frank Dimel. Guy's making really, really fantastic stuff. That's it. I just want to share past uh, past friends of ours. Share who've the been love. On the show, yeah. Share the to love. Do that. Well, so far, we've mentioned two. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Brian Wampler. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I said hello to him at Nam, and he. I I think he thought I was trying to steal his wallet. I'm just <laughs> not sure. You do look a yeah. little dicey. Anyways, uh, what about you, Todd? What's well, going on in your week? This I world? was able to go over and check out the progress on my uh, guitar that's being built by Chase Gullet of Chasing Vintage Guitars, who is uh, starting a, a secondary line of guitars, which is oh. kind of cool, like an, uh, uh, sort of an entry entry line, I guess you could say. And um, so uh, he's kind of tucking this into that. And one of the cool things, actually two really cool things he, he did, I, I, that's a floating bridge, which means it doesn't have a standard Telecaster plate on it, like you see on almost every single Telecaster. And what he did was he put the, he put the, uh, the, copper, um, uh, the copper tape inside for grounding mm-hmm. so you can see it in the cavity. Oh, wait, when, which we, looks when you say really floating cool. bridge, yeah. are we talking, we're talking about the hardtail bridge, right? No. You're floating bridge pickup. I'm sorry. I oh, didn't specify okay. That. Yeah. I, okay. You I'm know, sorry. lingo. I'm talking lingo, baby. Yeah. The flo- <laughs> Tell me about that. The floating Flo- bridge The FB pickup. pickup. Yes. <laughs> so the, you got the Telecaster bridge pickup sitting, yes. you know, uh, at an angle. Screwed into the body. Screwed into the body, not a plate. And in that in the body cavity, he's got the copper flashing inside. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it looks super cool. And uh, so I just thought, I was like, that was a really neat little treat to see. And he's got, he's got a couple of other cool things he's doing for me, but I just thought I'd pass that on. So like, I think I may have the first one, at least that I've ever seen that's got that. Nah. So there you go. You heard well, that's it. Co- you heard it here. I heard it here first. Yeah. Well, that's good. So what else are a, you? A are giant you? motorcycle is taking a dump outside of our window. My goodness. Oh, my dear. Yeah. That Anyways. Take us into four on the floor. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Sasha, give us your four on the floor. Okay. So this is really hard to just pick four that are like sort of my essentials, but I somehow put together a list. And um, I guess it's going to start with the way huge saucy box. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that I've pedal. I played that. Saucy box. Yeah, it's kind of like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's kind of like a clone sort of thing, Sauce. right? Is that sort of the idea behind it? It's like a like a drive. I kind of use it as like a tube screamer kind of thing oh, in cool. front of a dirty yeah, it's amp. Just, it's, an, it's an overdrive, you know, yeah. with its own characteristics. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, tightens up, compresses, kind of... You know, that's a great way to describe that pedal. Up. Yeah, because like it sweetens it, up your your um, you know, just a crunchy tone. I put it in front of my Mesa uh, Royal Atlantic, which is kind of like a British voiced Mesa amp, and mm-hmm. it just like is just magic in front of that thing. Oh, that's awesome! I, yeah. I think that that the, the Saucy Box is one of those pedals that people think 
are going to act a certain way and are maybe often surprised by how it acts because what you said about it tightening everything up when i put that one on uh i was like that's the first thing i noticed and this is in the we're living in the world of like you know quote unquote open feeling transparency pedals and that one's not that no yeah it's like it's weird it's like warmer it like warms everything up but also like clears everything up mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and um i got it a few years ago um just auditioning different pedals for that position and that was the one that just kind of stuck and just really helps uh in a live setting i think for like heavier loud rock and metal kind of uh tones you know um so that would probably always be on my board um after that i guess the essential for me and a staple for years has been the eventide time factor Mm. the delay it's just like so versatile and um pretty easy to use i think like there's like an app that you know you can connect via usb um and edit all your patches in there and you know you got every style of delay um simulated or or whatever you call it emulated Mm -hmm. modeled um you know stereo stuff You, you know you can control it through midi which I use like a MIDI switcher for all my pedals. So that comes in handy. Really amazing, like quality sounding uh, delay pedal. I, I've, I've had a few of them uh, for probably close to 10 years now and uh, never really tried another one that could do everything that this one could do. Mm. You guys don't seem very impressed by that. No, we're listening. We're, we're, listening. we're intently listening. <laughs> Dude, like that's awesome! Huh? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> have you have you, you tried the bro. um the uh, what is it the H nine the little the white box you that know, has like everything been, in it? Those look super sick, and I'm I'm looking at buying a couple of those to maybe because I think they're smaller and maybe more compact. So like when I do like fly dates, I could take yeah just a couple of those and kind of, oh, kind of yeah. handle everything you know well, that, you, was, um, you that they, was uh jeff schroeder of smashing pumpkins oh like, that's right he was yeah. that's the one that he kind of really locked onto when he did his four on the floor yeah i mean that's i mean and that i from i, I believe it has uh most of their product lines yeah either you can download into via mm-hmm. app or or whatever so that yeah that from a you know a traveling standpoint especially boy that that might solve a lot of problems mm-hmm. indeed okay. So cool. Yeah. Cool. What's number three? Number three, right now I've just been using the heck out of this uh this pedal called the VHD from a small company called SNK Pedals. Have you guys heard of them before? I don't uh, think so. Um so this dude Scott. So that's a yes. Of, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> so uh my buddy Scott DeBockler out of uh Jersey somewhere. Um that's a fantastic Companies. last name. Holy moly. You, yeah. A guy's name, the debacler. <laughs> that's yeah. That's well, that awesome. would make a great pedal. Oh man. <laughs> okay. If he'll, if you're buckled, he'll undo that. I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, S and K man, they make a bunch of awesome drive pedals and he's, his specialty is kind of like, um, recreating the preamp from like a classic or not classic. I mean, classic, but like obscure amp that people, forgot that they loved you know and in this case the vhd is um like a very truly uh an accurate um recreation of the ampeg uh 
is it the one VH one forty C the old solid state, like high gain amp from like the, you know, early and mid nineties made famous by just real like scummy, like heavy, heavy bands like dying fetus. Uh, I hate God. Um, just like obscenely um, scoop sounding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very, it's like the mid nineties, um, just like scummy death metal. Yeah. Kind of the, that was the, that was kind of like the, uh, the beginning of the, the, the scum plosion. Right. Yeah. Like solid state, just like kind of, you know, um, almost Pantera ish, you know, but a little more like beefy in the low end. And it's just a really fun pedal to riff out on. I have one here at the shop that I just, I jam on all the time. And I, and I would uh, encourage anybody into that kind of music to check out this pedal. It's like the ultimate heavy metal pedal, I think. Nice. Um, not, not to be confused with the boss heavy metal pedal, which is a completely different character right. of a pedal. But. <laughs> Um, number four, and I'm going to give you guys a little exclusive, uh, Uh thing here. Excited. Dunnable guitars is, uh, officially diving face first into the pedal world. And, uh, we're about to release our first pedal, I think like next week, maybe the week after, probably right around the time this airs, I guess. Um, uh, through Chicago Music Exchange is going to do an exclusive launch of the Dunnable Splatter Blaster, oh. which <laughs> that's fantastic. Is, <laughs> I, I think actually I like it. <laughs> and you guys can maybe tell me, but I, I don't think that anything quite like this uh, or exactly like this exists in the world currently. But basically, it's um, a stereo fuzz slash distortion pedal. Um where you have two independent circuits. One is kind of like a modded super fuzz, like kind of a boosted super fuzz ah. sort of sound less, a little less papery, a little more like meaty, but that same kind of gnarly super fuzz mm-hmm. uh, sound to it. The other side is kind of like a, a boss heavy metal pedal, the boss HM two, but sort of an underpowered one. Like it just kind of has this cool, like, like dying battery kind of thing. Yeah, and this is the thing. In my band, Future Us's, my rig for that band has been a Super Fuzz and a Boss HM2 going into two amps. (laughs) So these two sounds, when separated but combined into your face through two different amps, is quite possibly the most mind-meltingly heavy, just messed up sound that I have ever heard in my life. And I don't think there's anything quite as gnarly as this. And when you mix them together they kind of like fill in each other's like missing frequencies. It's really a a special kind of thing. And so this pedal, basically you can switch between, um, you can run them in parallel in mono into one amp, um, or in stereo, like I said, and each one you can switch on or off so you can blend clean in with one of them. You know, I like to route certain effects through one side and certain effects through the other way. It's, you can go, a variety of ways with it and it works great for guitar and bass. Um, but that has actually replaced my super fuzz and my boss HM two on my board. So it is now that's killer officially essential on my board. And I hope that, um, other maniacs like me find 
find it to be as useful as well. And I would love to, I would love to go to one of your gigs just to experience, you know, as far as the stereo aspect of what you got going on. Jared loves I, stereo. Yeah, I really, I, yeah, I, I myself, uh, personally, I appreciate that um, kind of effect. So yeah. I just wanted to um, comment on that. Oh, it's the best, man. I it's it's changed. I can't go back now. You right. know, it's really it's really <laughs> and, special. And the upside is now you can sell your super fuzz and buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a super fuzz clone. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be available on. I, I bought a sandwich. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say that's on Reverb or Chicago Music Exchange? Which one? Chicago music. I'm sure they will also sell it through reverb. But, gotcha. Um, yeah, they have, they're going to be launching that. They're going to be a video. Should be on any it. time now. There's going to be a video. They're cool. doing the whole rollout for me and everything. So it's going to be. Well, cool. when that happens, would you do us a favor and drop that on our uh, Facebook group? So the rest of the folks can check it out and maybe go pick one up. Absolutely. Dope. Thank you. All righty. That's a solid four, my man. I like it. Um, I, although I, I must say I was kind of hoping you might have called the pedal, the salad shooter, (laughs) (laughs) not salad toss based on what? No, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, I don't know whatever the hell that just happened. That'll be my stereo, like my stereo reverb for right. my, to complete the, the dad rig, yeah. the, uh, the man cave rig. Okay. So Sasha, Dunnable, Dunnable Guitars. We have you on the line for our interview because we find your product uh, quite interesting and you are one man doing a big old thing in the guitar world um, and doing it uh, your way. And uh, that's something that, that's what we do here. That's what we focus on. So um, we want to get into, um, you know, how you arrived, where you are right now and in the guitar world how, you know, what inspired you, uh, what got you into music, and uh, where you hope to go with all this stuff. So, um, gentlemen, is everybody ready? I am Fire ready. Fire at will. Listeners, uh, are you guys ready? Okay, good. If you are familiar with Dunnable, then you're probably very excited and yelling at the stereo for me to shut up. Shut up, Todd. If you are not familiar with Dunnable Guitars, uh, you need to go there right now and check out DunnableGuitars.com. Unless you're driving, don't do it. Don't do that. Uh, check out Dunnable Guitars when you are able, and I think you will be quite delighted if you have not already seen them on Instagram, which most of our listeners are pretty active on Instagram. Uh, I think you do a great job of showcasing your guitars I appreciate the consistent way that you do that. I appreciate the multiple views, etc. And um, it's uh, it's good stuff. So, how'd Sasha, you get started? How, how'd you get started in all this? <sighs> Let me be um, more specific. How did you get into guitar? I guess I'll start at the beginning and forgive me if I ramble at all. No, but, this um, is please. we're made for rambling. <laughs> this is ram time. Ramble brother. at will. I mean, to, to where I really got into guitar, um, you know, we'd have to go back to when I'm like nine years old, uh, glued. A, let's to, start there. <laughs> <laughs> glued to like, you know, MTV and the radio. Um, I, I was, I guess I was nine years old in 1990, uh, just to put that into perspective. So it's okay. like, you know, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, uh, Motley Crue, like just all of that 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, Soundgarden, maybe within a couple of years of that, mm-hmm. and then um, you mean they actually showed music videos on MTV? I know. Imagine that. What is right? this thing? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's just what I was like obsessed with, you know, at a very early age, and um, sort of dove as deep as one can at that age and in that that era of music consumption. You know, anything with loud guitar loud drums you know i was just all about it um and i just needed i just wanted it at all times and as much of it as possible so um was was i'm gonna i'm gonna dig in real quick here sure Uh, was there a particular song that really like grabbed you and made you go like oh my gosh give me a guitar sweet child of mine no i'm not asking you i'm asking him (laughs) yeah i mean definitely that era i mean probably like not Sweet Child of Mine, but another song on that record, probably Paradise City. There you or, go. Um, I was close. Or like Dr. Feelgood was a big one for me. Oh, Aerosmith yeah. Pump was the first CD I ever bought. You know, it was oh, like yeah. a current record. Um, just that kind of stuff. And, cool. you know, as a kid, before you actually pick up a guitar, you're like, how do you like, I want to know how do you make that noise? And also just fell in love with, the aesthetics of the electric guitar. I just thought they were cool as hell. Absolutely. And, um, so, you know, within a year or two, you know, 10, 11 years old, I started, I got, you know, uh, an acoustic guitar to take lessons on and um, just kind of went from there, you know, the, the usual kind of path that one goes down. I'm sure that's, you know, familiar to you guys where like, you know, you're playing in, bands with uh, your friends in high school and um just kind of figuring it out that way like how to play the guitar like how to use you know gear and learning about the whole world of gigging and recording and um i was just all about it and uh all the way through high school playing in bands and you, you know getting into heavier music like you know going from the classic stuff to more like punk rock and you know, grindcore and eventually death metal and then like progressive rock, like what going the natural progression of extremes there, you know, mm-hmm. getting into like real cigar sniffing, like late nineties <laughs> King Crimson, even, you know, like just to where it's like barely even music at that point. I just, um, really got into the musicality as well as like the, uh, the actual instruments and all the gear and stuff. And, uh, right out of high school, I went and, got an internship um at a, a heavy metal record label called metal blade records oh yeah um and eventually just sort of through that you know you know you're meeting more people i ended up working um for another label called century media for like close to six years i think um and all during that time playing in bands uh you know around age 24, I think my band intronaut formed. And, uh, within a couple of years we started touring, um, North America. I mean the whole world really. Um, and I toured with that band pretty solid for, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm still in the band. Um, we haven't been too active lately, uh, just because I've been so busy with work, but, um, you know, we toured, pretty solid for, uh, about 10 years. Um, and with a bunch of cool bands that, 
um, were sort of on my personal bucket list growing up. So, you know, I got to meet a lot of cool people through that. Never really made a solid living through it, but I think that's cool that uh, it was I was able to keep all that fun and sort of seek out a job that kind of allowed me to do do that as well as like earn a living in some sort of like peripheral kind of industry. But yeah, so basically, I guess around 2006, when Intronauts started touring heavier, I got let go from the record label, understandably. I mean, I was gone for like half the year. So uh, <laughs> what do you do here? <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like this Meeting sort of weird, difficult moment where you're like, you know, bouncing between like whatever horrible minimum wage job you can get that will take you, um, you know, knowing that you're going to leave again in three months and probably have to quit that job. And it, that was around 2007, 2008, you know, that when they were, the economy was, uh, doing pretty bad and it was the job market. It was tough for somebody with basically no actual skills <laughs> besides like, playing obscure heavy metal, you know, mm -hmm. for, you know, all, most of their life. Um, and so I kind of just realized I needed to, um, figure out some kind of trade or something, you know, just learn how to do something that people valued. And, uh, it, for those few years touring, I had, I had definitely picked up some tips from my, uh, guitar tech buddies on just like guitar maintenance stuff. And I kind of, was sort of showing an interest in that side of things, you know, guitar repair and whatnot. And I was like, that would be interesting to an interesting career path. And then, um, I discovered the guitar building school at musicians Institute here in oh, LA. Yeah. yeah. Um, MIT. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it's like a six month part-time program. And I was like, it just the light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, that's, that's what I want to do. It's like electric guitars, you know, my, you know, the thing that I'm the most nerdy about and, uh, kind of know a, a good deal about at that point. I, I just thought that was, that was totally it, you know, uh, not to mention the fact that at that point I couldn't afford anything nice, let alone a nice guitar. So what was your first guitar? Well, other than the acoustic, uh, what was your first, like, well, Electric. My first electric. Yeah, uh, it was some like made in Korea Squire Bullet from probably the eighties. I'm oh, guessing. Cool. It was like a strat shaped body, but with like no contours and a Telecaster headstock, which is super <laughs> weird. And I've never, I mean, I've never really tried to look it up, but um, yeah, well, really actually, a lot of the that Squire Bullet line was made in Japan. Or maybe yeah. it was Japanese. Yeah. yeah, and those those are actually really cool. I've used necks off of those on some tele projects. Uh, because mm -hmm. they're usually an all maple neck and yeah, have a Japanese exactly. profile. So yeah, that's, that's actually a really good starter guitar. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened to that, but um, anyway, yeah. Like, you know, at this point when I'm broke as broke as a joke, as they say, mm -hmm. um, it was like, I could have one guitar and it was like, you'd find the Les Paul studio for 500 bucks on Craigslist. You know, that was, <laughs> aesthetically not in good shape, but played all right. And, you know, I'd take them to my guitar tech buddies and, you know, get them fixed up, you know, swap pickups out. And, um, anyway, so this, the idea of learning to build guitars appealed to me because then I was like, well, then I could just make my own guitars. This is, this is perfect. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I went through that course um, and uh, um, I guess, I don't know. Maybe He'll I, edit that. Maybe I smoked too much weed through that part. <laughs> That's all I did. No, I did uh, the course yeah. and that was it. <laughs> I don't really remember 2010 at all. No. Um, uh. So I, uh, from there I got a job. Um, I, I, that's when I entered the world of music instrument retail, which is a dark and scary place for many. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, no, you know, I, uh, yeah, 2009, I think I started working at a store called West LA music, um, which was on its way out. I think it closed within a year of me, um, starting there, but it was cool to like, kind of just get into that world. And I found it pretty interesting just seeing how, you know, just seeing differences between, um, you know, the brands and just how things were marketed and how things are sold in a retail environment. I mean, I'm coming from basically no work experience at this point. I'm like, you know, 30 years old and I've never really had an actual job except working in a warehouse shipping CDs, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and from there I got a job. I had a bunch of part-time jobs at different repair shops around LA, which, um, you know, no, I wasn't making any real money yet, but definitely learning a ton from a bunch of really, uh, talented and experienced luthiers and, um, so just sort of gathering experience for a while. And, uh, eventually I, uh, started renting my friend's garage, um, with the intent of, you know, building up a bunch of tools and kind of just starting to dive into building and repair and whatnot. All the while also working the repair bench at a uh, guitar center in Sherman Oaks here. Um, which a job the that I held center. actually, yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you what, as far as, dark and scary uh, music retail goes, that was actually the best of all those jobs I had. Ouch. (laughs) Um, I mean, I got really lucky and had this uh, store manager named Brett Arney, who I I think works for Fender now, but he was just a real cool guy who um, was cool with me going on tour, like whenever I needed to, Um, you know, I got health insurance through the company, you know, even though I'm only there, like, you know, half of the year. And, um, when I was working there, a buddy of mine, uh, the other repair tech and I, uh, decided, uh, we should rent a house together and basically turn a garage into a wood shop, you know, guitar shop basically. Uh Um, and so that was where I was like, I'm ready to like, you know, get a little more serious. I had like built up my uh, arsenal of tools and whatnot. And I was kind of ready to go. And, um, so yeah, in 2012, I moved into a house in Van Nuys, uh, here in Los Angeles, basically. And, um, yeah, turned this garage into a wood shop and just started, um, drafting out guitars. I mean, I, I got some gigs, um, you know, building some customs, you know, some one-off stuff for, people and companies just doing like little custom work here and there. Um, but yeah, I just started drafting out my own designs and, um, I, uh, gave one of the guitars to Dave Timnick, the other guitar player in Intronaut. And, uh, we went out on tour and it just kind of, it just kind of went 
pretty quickly from there, relatively quickly. Um, what you what know, model where, was that, that that you built for him? It was the Yarnhawk. I, I made two of them, which is a model I don't make anymore, but um, I made two of them and I gave one to Dave and I gave the other one to uh, David from the band Red Fang, who we had just oh, come yeah. off tour with. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want a guitar, man? And he's like, yeah, I'll take a guitar. You know? <laughs> I mean, if you're giving them out. Yeah. <laughs> what what and, kind uh, of body style was that yarn hawk? Uh, I took um, a Telecaster and basically changed the horns. I mean, it's they're drastically different. It's like a double cut, um, sharper horn kind of thing. But the butt of it is a Telecaster, basically. Mm, interesting. Um, but I was always into like you know, the 70s, like Gibson and Guild and um, just like solid body electrics from that area era. Um, you know, Fender too, but definitely it was into like the set neck kind of thing. Um, Stuff with a little bit of extra flair from... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of hard at this point to really articulate where my head was at at that point, but... um. That's what I was going for, you know. When you, when you, uh, so at that point, when stuff starts to take off, uh, how long was it before you really kind of determined your actual aesthetic? Is that something that developed really quickly or, or was that just still happening? Yeah, I think I had had that in mind for a long time. I mean, I, I was literally basing it off of my own personal guitar tastes. You know, I always played Gibsons. I always liked weird seventies Gibsons, like the L six S and like the Marauder. But I mean, in addition to also like the Les Pauls and the RDs mm-hmm. flying V's. Bill uh, Lawrence. Oh, is that? Oh, right. Yeah, Cause he, he was he doing all the, uh, put all those pickups and all those, the, those crazy, uh, like super buckers and the dirty fingers and all that kind of That's stuff. Right. And, and yeah, he was, he had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, putting that, making that sound come out of that guitar during that era. Was that like Norlin era or is that before Norlin era? Uh, I don't know. Towards the end, I, well. I think it's, it was after mid Norlin, yeah. after Norlin, mid seventies to early eighties, I think. Yeah. Okay. Bill Lawrence is not a young man's name. <laughs> I don't know if that's just good. They called him Billy when Thank he was you. a kid, I think. <laughs> Thanks for that, Todd. <laughs> good job, Billy. <laughs> uh, anyways. So, uh, okay, so yeah. So you're, you're kind of digging sort of the, the the left side of the Gibson line. Um, and and the right side, too. Yeah. Know. Okay. That stuff's and actually like, climbing in value, too, right oh, now. Oh, heck, yeah. Yeah, there's some people yeah. in the room that like like the Sonics and things like that. I, I know. I know. I don't know why, but... I think they look cool, you know? I mean, that was sort of the idea is that you take like this kind of like, actually a buddy of mine described it great to me. He's like, your guitars look like, like you walk into a pawn shop and you're seeing some guitar from the set, some dusty old guitar from the seventies that you never knew existed. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. I was like, that almost sounds like a burn, but that's actually a great compliment because that's (laughs) what I'm going for. Absolutely. That's, that is great because I mean, let's be realistic when we do go into those, that's what we're kind of looking for. Like what's the oddball in here? Like a lot of times you'll find like, um, like some kooky old Electra or or something like that. (laughs) Right. What is this? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's cool. I, so 
I think it's safe to say that you part of your aesthetic is largely based on darker woods. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, mahogany with an ebony neck is definitely the most common, I would say, of my wood combinations. But I do swamp ash bodies and maple necks as well. I'm coming from the world of tuning down to, you know, like C sharp or C right. or drop B and on like a, like a Gibson scale guitar, things get a little floppy um, and intonation a little bit wonked out when you're, um, when you're tuning that low um, and using like thicker strings. So I wanted to have that like fender scaling. So all the, our guitars come standard with 25 and a half scale length. We also do baritone necks um, so that you can, tuned down but still get a nice snappy clear attack um and string clarity um and so i do actually like swamp ash bodies and maple necks because they kind of help that too you know with a little extra just snap um to cut through you know a heavy distorted band mix um and i think that that's what a lot of uh the customers sort of like value about you know these guitars too is that it's not a combination of uh, like function and aesthetics that you can get most other places. I think you know. I, yeah, I think so it's, it's totally fair to say. Yeah. So um, it looks like a lot of your models are curvy. You would say. Um, what 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 made you break away to go to the flying V shape on your new model? Um, just something different. Or? Well, I've always liked a V. Um, and I had some requests over the years for V okay. shapes. Um, but I didn't want to just do a straight V copy. Um, so that, so that asteroid model has, uh, some cool bevels and like some comfort cuts mm-hmm. that I think make it a little more ergonomic than the traditional sort of squared off, uh, kind of body shapes that you see for that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not as severe, but it kind of reminded me of the V2s. That's definitely an inspiration yeah. for it. I always yeah. love the V2. <laughs> the V2 is a very cool guitar. With the, yeah. uh, with the, the, uh, uh, what, uh, with the pickups that are the like Chevron V-shaped. pickups. Chevron pickups. Yeah. yeah, those are cool. Yep. Yeah, and that weird sandwich body and everything. Oh, I yeah. love that guitar. That's probably, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite guitars of all time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's see, you got how many guitars? Let's see, you've got, uh, how many guitars you have in your line? I know you do some bass. You've got four bases, which that's pretty commendable. I don't think most boutique builders out there are building really quite a line of, of bases. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot, I mean, there are some specific bass builders and then there are a lot of specific guitar builders, but it's, it's rare. I think that you, you find people doing both, especially on a, on a, on a boutique basis. Yeah. The, I mean, there's two sort of main base models and, um, which are the R2 base and the Thunderclapper. Uh, and then we did the Jeff Matt's signature base, um, which is a great base, but it's kind of a specialty thing. And, um, it was sort of a small run that we did of those. And, uh, and then the the Yeti six, which is kind of our take on um, a six string, a short scale six string bass, mm-hmm. uh, not unlike the Fender bass six, um, 
However, it's a little bit longer scale. Um, that also is quite specialty. Although I have sold a handful of them, um, it's really not something I'm like making on a regular basis. Yeah, that's a very specialized instrument, I think. Yeah. Um, what, what scale length are you using on yours? On this, on that one, it's 30 and three quarters. Oh, okay. So again, just a little extra length so that we can tune it down. And again, I, for selfish reasons, I made that instrument just so that I could use it in my new band, Future Us's. Um, <laughs> there you go. And in so terms yeah, of like the, yeah. the bridge and the, and that one has the, like a jag trim on it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And then I've, I've moved to actually using just a regular tunematic okay. bridge on it, which I think is a little more stable than most of the like, um, you know, replacement bridges for, for like a base six or whatever, just as far as what's out there, the tunematic seems to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one, um, that I think uh, that I found, uh, and I know a few people that have used them, um, out of, out of the UK, um, I think it's called Statrem. And they, they actually make a wider, much like the original base six, um, uh, bridge. It's, 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 it's a little bit wider than a, uh, um, than a standard Jag or jazz master bridge. Oh, and does it have like the Mustang saddles or Mustang looking kind of saddles? Yeah. 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 I think I've bought those or I bought them from somewhere in the UK and they're like, yeah, it's like some super high quality thing. Yeah. And if I'm, if we're talking about the same thing, I thought it was a great quality bridge. Uh, but I think for like more aggressive playing, the tunematic is just a little, it just doesn't move. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, right, you, those, it's definitely more, much more solid. Plus I think mounting it at an angle, of course, gives you a little more flexibility for intonation too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Sasha, in, in your building, what are some of the greatest challenges that you've kind of faced coming up, you know, kind of, um, doing this on your own and getting to where you're at now? Um, well, keeping up with, I mean, first of all, again, like I have almost no professional experience in anything besides playing music prior to this. So learning how to run a business is like first and <laughs> foremost, like just learning everything, you know, from the basics, basically as I'm going, um, has definitely been a challenge. I'm lucky enough to have uh, a stepfather who is a fairly successful businessman um, kind of help me along the way, like as far as like advice and, and everything. And, um, you know, just keeping up with the growth of the company, you know, we've almost doubled in sales every year since we started. Wow. it's great. Which is like insane. Um, just trying to keep up with the build queue and, um, I've had to change kind of the whole like ethos a little bit or just adjust it a little bit along the way, like as far as how custom we can really get at this, you know, standard price point, um, as well as like figuring out a workflow and more employees. Um, I mean, it's definitely challenging, super fun. I mean, I, I love every second of it, but it's like definitely, you know, I've worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day for, you know, three or four years now, you know, it's pretty, pretty insane. But I, you know, I can't imagine, 
I literally cannot imagine doing anything else because I don't know how to do anything else. So I'm, <laughs> well, I'm stuck. You I'm actually stuck in this don't cycle. have the capacity to understand what that might be. Yeah, it, so, exactly. So how, you mentioned other employees. Are you, how many uh, people do you have working with you? Well, I have, um, we just hired our second guy here at the shop. Um, but I also contract a lot of stuff out now. I mean, mm-hmm. I taught one of my best friends, one of my oldest friends, uh, how to wind pickups for me. Um, cause at first I was just doing all of that myself. Um, but he has a background in electronics and knows, you know, just how to make things. I mean, he makes pickups better than I ever did for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have him making pickups, but he works out of his home. Um, but yeah, I have two guys here, one guy doing most of the wood stuff. Um, and another guy who helps me out with like assembly. Um, and then I've also contracted stuff out to, uh, Grover Jackson's shop down in Laguna. Yeah. Um, for, you know, probably almost four years now we've been working together. Um, he makes a lot of the necks for me and he started to do some body manufacturing for me as well. Um, although we, we still make most of the bodies here and, um, we still make the, the Yeti six necks here ourselves as well. Yeah. I met, uh, I met him I, when he was at working at Rickenbacker. Oh gosh, that must've been five or six years ago, maybe longer. Grover and, worked there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked. I was going through the factory and this, Oh, you might know him. He, this is Grover Jackson. <laughs> that wow. must've been right before they started the GJ two. I think so. Maybe. I think yeah. so. But oh, he was he, he was uh, helping them, you know, uh, I guess with workflow and assembly and basically overseeing the entire floor operation there. Yeah, he's been another great guy to um, kind of learn from, you know, obviously one of the most uh, just sort of legendary guys in the business. He's like one of those names. Oh, totally, and yeah. He's worked with everybody, knows everybody, has done every kind of manufacturing, you know, um, I mean, it's just like, I can't even put a price tag on how valuable it is to like be able to bounce stuff off a guy like that. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and he does great work obviously still. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I also, uh, work with a guy, um, named Chad Jennings who does Jennings guitars. Have you oh, guys yeah. heard oh, of them? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we know. Yeah, we did Jennings. They're up in the Camarillo. Show. Oh, yeah. they, he's been on the show. He will have been. Or he will be. We haven't figured out what order that is yet. (laughs) He, um, he's a great guy, young guy, and he helps me out with, um, baritone necks and some CNC, uh, you know, like the drawings and, um, just all that kind of stuff that I obviously have no idea how to do. Um, and he's a great builder. They have a great little shop up in Camarillo there and they do fantastic work. So he's been helping me out too with some neck production. Um, but we still do all the paint and, um, a lot of the bodies and, uh, obviously all the assembly and stuff here. Okay. Uh, I have kind of a cool question. Was there a model of yours that really made your brand take off? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a couple points where there was like a noticeable, um, feeling of like, oh, this is really happening now kind of thing. Um, one of those was um, in 2000, uh, what year was that? 2012, I 
think, uh, or 2013, I guess my band Internaut, um, did a tour with, uh, between the buried and me and deaf heaven and deaf heaven at the time, um, were blowing up. Um, and we kind of became friends on the tour and whatnot. And they were sort of like, Hey man, like, would you make us some guitars? Like, can we buy some guitars from you or whatever? And I was like, <laughs> that was, uh, I was like, yes, absolutely. Like, are you, yes, you can buy them. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Cash check or, yeah. <laughs> or charge. Um, and that was, I mean, I just knew that that was like something, um, that was going to help, you know, because they were really doing a lot of cool things and I really liked the guys and their music and it just kind of worked with the model or with the, with what I was doing. And, um, so when I made those guys guitars and people started seeing those, um, I really started getting a lot of emails and orders and stuff. Uh, likewise, when, um, Jeff Matz from high on fire, hmm hit me up. Um, and you know, this is another guy that I had toured with in the past and just was sort of friends with before I ever started making guitars. He was like, you know, I'm looking for a new bass. Like, why don't you make me something? And we kind of designed the, the thunderclapper together. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so once that happened, I mean, it was those two things kind of happening around the same time, um, where people were really like, kind of taking the brand seriously. I mean, it was quite early on and I mean, I think I, I sort of announced the, you know, that there was, this was a thing, um, in 2014 and, uh, made those guys guitars, uh, and basses like that, you know, within a couple months of that. And it really kind of just, that really got the ball rolling for sure. Um, sounds like a lot of work you had to cram in, man. Oh yeah, it's it was insane there. I mean, it, uh, I mean, I quit working guitars. I mean, I feel like I announced that I was doing this, and this was like a thing that people could buy, you know, or like a brand of guitar that existed in the world. And like within a couple months, I had to quit uh, my job at Guitar Center and just kind of that's great dive into that. So um, it's one thing to announce that you are doing a, uh, you know, a brand of guitars. Uh, I think you were still kind of coming in uh, and doing that at the, I think it was still, you could say it was the cusp of sort of the boutique explosion, like, you know, right on the edge of that. Uh, where you're coming in though is a very interesting place because again, for those who have, are, are not seeing these just yet, you found a place to sit with your designs that, I think few people have done successfully. And this is one of the things that really kind of drew me to uh, the interest in your brand is that most people, when they're designing for the harder edge of things, tend to swing out a little further. You know, I think we can think of brands like um, uh, BC Rich. Um, you can think of even even Jackson, uh, you know, then things tend to get like super pointy and super ESP. E- ESP it, it's, there's sort of like, it's either you have a traditional shape guitar or you're way on the other side. And something that I really appreciated about your design is that you are acknowledging 
that kind of design without just jumping right into the pool with everybody else. You're you this you kind of have a design sensibility that's saying if you if you see it and you feel it, it's there, but it doesn't have to be. It's not screaming at you like I've got a metal guitar. Look out, you know. Um, they're really tastefully designed and I think accessible, even if you're not playing a metal, frankly. Yeah, it's definitely more of a rock kind of thing, but sort of metal adjacent, you know what I yeah. mean? I mean, I was I was never a pointy guitar guy, you know, but I mean, maybe like in high school, I was really into like pointy BC Riches and Jacksons, like you mm-hmm. said, but um, I, I've always been more like Black Sabbath than... Metallica or right. like, or, you know, what's a pointy Slayer or whatever. Like I love yeah. Slayer, but I've never liked those guitars. And in my own band, I liked a more classic, I guess more like stoner rock kind of, yeah. you know, stoner <laughs> metal stuff. Yeah. You know there really I mean? like, wasn't anything out there like that. I mean, unless you're doing an SG an SG was really about the closest thing you can get to that at the yeah. time, unless you, happen to be able to find uh you know an rd somewhere but even that was it just wasn't on the scene you know and short of a flying v or an explorer which were the really you know you got an sg a flying v or an explorer and yeah those were the really being the holy to, trinity yeah coming in and saying wait there's more uh right. i i just really i i appreciate that because that's not an easy thing to do and, and that's something that we tend to hone in on here is like it isn't just anybody who's making boutique stuff. It's like people who actually have a voice and are, are expressing it and who, you know, kind of fought it out to find it. Yeah. I mean, I never really overthought it too much, but it's really, I mean, it was all again, just kind of like combining all the things that I wanted in a guitar that I couldn't find anywhere and and certainly could not afford anywhere probably kind of Forrest Gumped my way into that kind of like situation where it's like, Oh, I guess this kind of thing doesn't exist right now. So that would be a cool, you know, I mean, it's just kind of dumb luck that I, uh, sort of found, you know, dis or made something that people realize they couldn't get somewhere else, but would actually be of value to them, you know? Well, and it's handmade, it's signature. You're not walking into, you know, a, just some store that you can find that anywhere on the planet. It's like the only way they can get those, you make them. Right. Do you have a favorite model? You know, that's tough. It's like, I mean, this is cliche, but it's like asking someone who their favorite child is, you know, of their own. Yeah. <laughs> if they have their own, if they have children, point. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. You take one um, from a fire. Which one, yeah. do, you yeah. like which one do you grab? Yeah. <laughs> Desert Island. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel like the Yeti is probably still deep down my favorite because that, I guess to go back to your question earlier, that was the first guitar model that I was truly happy with and that really started selling well. And it's just got a great balance to it. And it um, just ergonomically, it's like, I think one of the best guitars that I've ever played. And I love it so much. I even made a, a, a double neck Ah, for myself I, saw, I just saw a post oh, of that that's you cool. just posted that yeah. didn't you yeah so yeah you, so it's did a, you do a 612 or a 64 it's 612 um and the 12 is a 28 and 5 8 scale holy baritone. moly yeah just because whatever i i had some other requests to do double necks from a couple of the like artists we work with and i was like i'm down to do that but I'm going to do one for myself first just so yeah. I can 
make sure I do it right, first of all, but yeah, also absolutely. because I just have, I'm not going to give you a double neck double before <laughs> I have one, you know? So, uh, so back to that. So what, what, what is the tuning on the 12 string neck with a 28 and a half, 28 and a half, did you say? Yeah. Uh, 28 and five eighths. 28 yeah. and five eighths. They are both in, um, C sharp with a drop B. Okay. Um, but <laughs> wow. the 12, the 12 is cool with that because I can go with a lighter gauge of string and still tune that low and have it be light strings, but still taut enough to like sound good, you know? Sure. Oh yeah. Cause I didn't want to just do a 12 and 25 and a half and have to use like, you know, 12 to 56 or whatever. Cause that would just get kind of messy. That's a lot Slinky. of string for a 12, you yeah. know? So mm -hmm. I, I wanted Great to have, um, yeah, so I could put, I think I have like 11s on the, on the baritone neck in that tuning and it wow. feels really nice and sounds really good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, that's my personal favorite because the big giant knob. I like that. Right. That's so cool. I feel like that was sort of a secret of, to this company's success at the beginning too. I, I found these absurdly large knobs that uh, I would put on guitars and just like one big volume. And people were just like, I love that. It's and the thing that caught my eye. I mean, honestly, that's, I, that's the, that's what I remember. What, uh, you know, it actually, it works great. I would like highly recommend putting a big knob on every guitar you have, if you have room for it. Yeah. I think I'll do that. I'm dig it. Hey, <laughs> uh, dude, thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, the insight to your, Awesome company, Dunnable Guitars. Uh, it, was, it was great talking to you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Um, make sure everybody get out there and check out the Dunnable Guitars. Uh, you can get that on the website, Dunnable Guitars, and I'm sure probably a few other places. Where we're going to land next is with this awesome thing called... Would you rather... Okay. This week's Would You Rather. Oh, that was a short... Oh, it was, shorty. it was, man. But let me tell you what this would you rather is. today. You are in a guitar store and there's only good two guitars left. One guitar that's is. That's all you got? Come on, man. You can, I, with I all the ad-libbing you do, that's, that's what you got? So you're walking down the street and a truck <laughs> crosses in front of you and it almost hits you. And, and two, then you go and, to Cedar Point, and, right? And two fall out. Two okay. guitars fall off the truck. <laughs> All right. You want a guitar with, now seriously, you want a guitar with onboard controls. You want to be able to get lots of tones, lots of different things out of your guitar. You want to have some wacky fun. Exactly. So do you want a, a Gretsch 7681 Super X? And they run around eh, 1400 bucks. They have on onboard phaser, sustained, a compressor. They have some really cool effects. Lots of knobs. Lots of little choices to make when you're jamming on the guitar. Or would you rather have a Les Paul recording? That was Les Paul's favorite guitar. Yes, his the, personal guitar. Yep. They were around 20, they are around 2,500 bucks. Uh, the, vintage one, the vintage ones may go a little more. I don't know. Um, but they had the harmonica bridge. The older ones did. They have actually those pickups that are really, you know, Big and weird, cool like pickup. Covered, I've never seen covered in, uh, those. Are, they're they're like low rubber, impedance. Right? They are low impedance. Uh, see, Tony knows everything. They're low impedance. Got for, the harmonica bridge on it, right? Got right. your harmonica. I mentioned that. And uh, the pickups are designed for recording. 
Uh, you can actually switch them to high impedance if you want to run it through an amp. Well, it actually has dual outputs. It's got a, a an XLR plug that you can put in. And uh, you know what? I think I think I wrote down some of the um, characteristics of the new one. I think the new oh, one okay. has a switch. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. The old one probably has. They a had a few quarter inch out. No, they had a new one. It. Yeah, they have a new one that just came out actually. Really? So, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. But uh, yeah, so, really, really different. So, what's your question? Which one would you rather have? <laughs> They're both single cut. Yep. Uh, they both have handsome inlays. Yeah. They both are humbucker. Uh, no. It, it, well, isn't yeah? No, no the low impedance are okay. Not. I think the low impedance ones are actually all right. The is humbucker. Yeah. Okay, so but they're really big single. Yes. Yeah. So Sasha's been talking for a long time. Let's go to let's go to Tony. Uh I mean Gretch. Hands what? down. No, no. I'm what? I'm going with the Les Paul recording. What? And I will I'll add the uh the mic mount like Les Paul had on his. Man, he knows everything about stinking guitars. So up up kind of where the strap button is. Right. Les had a like a screw on or it screwed onto the guitar. A place that you, he would screw on his microphone. Yeah. So while he's sitting there, the mic's right there, hanging on the guitar. Brilliant. And um, and but, weird. But from in turn, and it, it just, I mean, the, the yeah, it looks weird. The pickups are weird. Um, I th- think that the um, the sections that uh, it doesn't really. I don't believe this one has built-in electronics. As much as, uh, you know, like, it doesn't have things like ha- vibrato no, no, or things no. like that. It's, it it's has more a tonal lot shaping. of tonal controls, but it they are similar in aesthetic. Like, if you're looking at them on the on the wall, they'd yeah. be like, "Those are the two of the same." Not as visual, guitars. you know that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just, you know, it's it's not the prettiest Les Paul out there. But I think it's it's, no. it's cool. And it is weird. Well, it's it's a little weird. <laughs> Even the pick guard's weird. Come on. Yeah. But I, I, I just dig it. just from the standpoint of 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 what Les Paul played, especially in his there later years when he played live, I'm going that direction. Okay, excellent, Jared. Well, give me the Gretsch all day, man. Really? Yeah, it's good. I just I don't know. I don't know why. I've got enough Les Pauls at home. Well, I want ch- I want a I want a Gretsch. Uh, I like I like the fact that it's got humbuckers versus the single coils, and I I really. I'm intrigued, and I would love to hear what the uh, the effects sound like. The onboard effects are they junk? Are they great? Yeah. You know, w- what's it all about? That well, what's cool about that one? The super it used to be called a super Chet, and Chet Atkins played uh, one of those for a long time. Especially this I think is why in, Tony's in on the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, when they lost the endorsement, now it's it's just, they just called it a super axe. I believe they yeah. called it back then an endorsement. And endorsements. Yeah. You spent a lot of time on the yeah. axe part too. Yes. Okay. Cool. That's, uh, I mean, it's a good choice. I mean, yeah. I have no problem with it with either I, one. I it's, actually it's to, one of the two. The inlays are better, I think, on that. Wait, don't steal the thunder, brother. Well, I'm just saying the inlays are cool. <laughs> Go ahead. Sasha, do it. Sasha. What are you picking? You know, I've never tried either one of these in person, and the Gretsch is very cool, but I'm I'm gonna go the Les Paul recording just because this is definitely one of the guitars that inspired the Dunnable aesthetic. Um, and it just looks, I don't know. I, I, I like the look of it and all this stuff on this little, like what a way to mount electronics, like with a, its own pick guard on top there or whatever. That's such a funny and way the, to do and, that. And I get requests for that pick 
they're that control plate all the time. Yeah, really? it's it's super super complicated. I, I mean, um, it, it, it's, it's, am it's I wrong engraved. in saying it's basically the Gibson version of a Jaguar? Mm, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's less confusing. Close. Less Jaguar's confusing, confusing. yeah, probably. Yeah. There's more little, labels on here. It's different. It's yeah. got different re- <laughs> but, you know, but reasons. But I just mean, like, here's your tonal box of everything. Box of chocolates. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 cool. And, and um, I, I've tried to make these. Um, the, the really weird thing about them is, one, they're, they're engraved, which is difficult with modern pickguard material. Oh, but, two, they're also bent. They're formed around the arch of the... Of the top. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's think about that. Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. And you almost have to make it and then have the guitar and melt it into, you know, heat wow. it up and melt the plastic into place. It's cr- crazy stuff. Wow. That is funny. So yeah. that's an expensive pickguard for you to make. I don't make them. I can't. Okay, I've you tried. Can. You've tried. I ain't going to do it. You ain't going to do it. So I imagine <laughs> the Gretsch one's a lot more flat. Yeah, the Gret- that's that's a flat football shaped right. kind of pickguard. Yeah. Flatter. I don't know. It looks like there's some contour there. Maybe I could be wrong. No, it's flat. Okay, it's flat. I'm trusting Tony because he knows everything. I'm going with the Gretsch because it's way cool looking. I love the inlays <laughs> going from one and one and then two and then two and then... Uh, so so let's see. Uh, fret marker uh, three and five are is one square. Fret marker seven and nine is two squares. And, and on down at 12... 12 and up. 12 is, and up is three squares. That's really cool, You know why man. they did that? So you, you weren't concentrating on all the little buttons and... Zoom in on the, on, on the... Because uh, on on I think... I want to say those are dice inlays, if I'm not mistaken. Dice inlays. I don't know. Right there. Yeah. Let me see. Diamond, Checking. Maybe? I don't think so. Nope, they're not no. dice. I, no no, no dice, Tony. No dice. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a great... One, one thing that I do album. like about this, Gretsch, though, it, it, uh, it, it, it doesn't finger. look like... Um, it, it doesn't look like an old cowboy Gretsch. No, it, there's a modern. F- feel yeah, well, to just it. that. It's that. a really soft horn, uh, a really soft shoulder, and then a pretty sharp horn. Pretty sharp point. And yeah. the lines follow each other, yeah. which it, I think is really unique in this. And uh, I, I just I like it. No, that that is fun a cool. and weird. For, I, I'm going to have to do a little research because I seem to remember some of them had. Uh, it might have been called a high roller. Mm. And there were di- oh, dice. dice inlays. I can I can see that. Um, so this one currently is on right sale uh, on Reverb for fourteen hundred dollars. That sounds like a pretty good deal and with a case with with um, avocado uh, velvet in the inside. Everybody, go pick that up right now. Um, unless Dunnable's gonna actually, I bet he buys it right now. Watch that. Just to, <laughs> just to, just to say he has it. Uh, okay, dudes. Ooh, doggies. We got some stuff to take care of real quick. Tony? Oh, okay. Tony's proving that he found the dice one, so he's not... So he's vindicated. Gretsch, I, <laughs> we never doubted Gretsch you. Gretsch roller. It's we, never, we never di- doubted you. I know you did. Okay. But I, I, don't, I wanted you to feel more comfortable with, I appreciate with my decision-making process. Sasha, we're in the home stretch. <laughs> Bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point of the show, we'd like to thank some very, very, very special people. Yep. Uh, we like to call them our executive producers. And how do you become an executive producer, you may be asking yourself. Well, you go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Yes, where and, you can also become any other kind of contributor. Well, let's just shoot for executive producers this week. Okay. Let's try a little experiment. All right. Go for the gold. Go for it. Reach, it. reach for the brass ring. Okay. 
but you can go there. And, you know, hey, if the executive producer thing isn't for you, there's other levels. Yes. You get some really neat $1, things. $1, $5, $10, and $20. Stickers and, and, and stuff. And, and, and let's just say that, you know, you're, you know, you have like all this money that you don't know what to do with. Well, it's not all that much money. Well, I'm just saying, if you wanted to do, say it. It's like a coffee or More a donut. More than $20. Well, that's rare and probably isn't going to happen. But for $10, you're going to get a t-shirt, you a, get a t-shirt, barefoot button, barefoot button, a giant pack of stickers, giant and other stickers, branded picks. ephemera from people that have been on the show. Yes, for nice people. $5, you're going to get a barefoot button, button. with a sticker pack. And sticker for $1, pack. you're going to get a big fat sticker pack and other ephemera from people that have been on the show. Yay! But one other thing that you have mm-hmm. when you become an executive producer yep. is, Jared? You get to have your name read on the thing. That's All right. right. And your that's what we're going to do right now. Red on the thing. I say it every time. Well, let's welcome Michael Van Zant hey. on board. Welcome, Michael Van Zant. A a very frequent contributor on you, the sir. socials. He's always quick to bat with fantastic responses and comments to just about everything we post. And we greatly appreciate your interaction about yeah. there, buddy. Thank you, Mike. We really appreciate your support. And in addition, we'd like to thank some other folks. Mm-hmm, do Tom, it. Tom Barazin. Yep. Martin Cliff. David Wolfson. Mm-hmm. Matt Brammer. Carlos Mancha. Pete Marshall. Robin Smith. John Daly. Oliver Gonzalez. Sean S. Chris Kearney, <laughs> John Anglin, Robert Marfleet, Darren Gregory, Z- uh, Gary Goodman, and Beckett. And Beckett. 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 Uh, Zach J. Wright and Doug Christ. Thank you guys so much Thank for you. your contribution. It, it is so greatly appreciated. It helps the show go further and further. Um, we're growing, we're trying to bring you more and more content. Uh, this show takes a lot of work to put together. Um, and, and can I, can I just and, yeah. go on the record as, as saying thank you to Todd oh. for the work that he does here? You yeah. are welcome. We man. have a blast doing this, but you know, Todd's the guy that is here editing and pulling his hair out. Yeah. <laughs> left of it. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, 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 I want to thank man. you. I appreciate that. Thank um, you, buddy. All right, dudes, Sasha, where can people find you on the internet and elsewhere? DunnableGuitars.com, Facebook, just search Dunnable Guitars, and Instagram, I guess also, I think it's just Dunnable Guitar... Well, just, just Dunnable Guitars. Yeah. Whatever. Just nobody you know how to use Instagram. Dun- Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Uh, make sure you do go and check out that Instagram handle because he, he's got some, he, he, he's just got some great posts and um, I'm sure you're going to f- like what you find. Uh, Tony. Uh, you can go to my MySpace page. No, no, I don't have one of those. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, no, my AOL account. Right. Yeah. I got one of those. Too. Okay. Anyhow, uh, you go to pickguardian.com and peruse some of the things that I've done. Uh, I always try to post some some interesting things, and uh, that's at pickguardian.com. Uh, you can also go to the various social media, that, and that's uh, under pickguardian1, pickguardian and the number one. The only one. And the only one that matters. And uh, that's where I, I, I'm probably most active on that, posting some current projects and mm-hmm. things. I'll probably pop the, uh, uh, the Mike Watt guard up. And, yeah, uh, and maybe a couple and of other, other famous sh- bands, other famous bands. <laughs> Jared, you can find me at Brandon Wong Pickups. We build uh, 
boutique pickups and vintage style pickups, and I even throw some age on them. So, you know, you can restore an old looking guitar. And uh, we also repair pickups with a very reasonable price and fast, reasonable uh, uh, turnaround time. And you can get a hold of me at Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at BrandonWildPickups.com. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yep, and you can get a hold of me at Todd at theguitarnobs.com. And also, we are obviously very active on Instagram, uh, which transfers over to our Facebook group, which we've got a great bunch of people, great bunch of listeners um, who are friendly and uh, are very helpful in answering a lot of questions. Make sure you check us out on Spotify. Um, We're new on there. I mentioned that already, but I'm reiterating that fact. Sasha Dunnable, thank you so much for joining us and for spending so much of your time with us and sharing your story with our audience. Make sure everybody, you go out and check it out. Um, Sasha? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. That was super fun. Oh, excellent. We're glad to have you. Um, You are now an official knob. I don't know how that makes you feel, but you're the biggest knob of them all. That's right. I'm honored. Anyways, gentlemen, subscribe. The hell was that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time